Hello and welcome to Comic Book Herald's Cree Annotators. I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. I am joined today by creator and writer and journalist Stephanie Williams. Stephanie, thanks so much for joining today. How are you doing? I am doing pretty good. Um, I'm learning that your body after 30 just says, hey, you want to yawn? That's fine. Let's throw your neck out. So um, yeah. you might get some little extra today because I am off of muscle relaxants that mm. I had to get from my dad. So that's fun. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm so I'm I'm in my early 30s as well. And um, this past week, I tried to have a glass of whiskey. Mm-hmm. After hours, after the kids mm-hmm. were in bed, and I, I tried watching Justice League. I was like, I, oh. I think a little whiskey is uh is needed here for the for the long Justice League yeah. cut. Stayed up late with my wife. We watched a couple hours past midnight. Next yeah. day, I felt so horrible. I felt more hungover than I ever felt in my life. My body's just like, dude, yeah. you can't you cannot drink that late. <laughs> it's a problem. Um yes. <laughs> and I see that you're drinking a green smoothie, which I also just drank. It's like, yeah, I'll put some greens in my body. Maybe that'll fix it. Health food becomes way more uh, appealing. And just like, yeah, I'm like this this mess of spinach and carrots that I've got going on. Like, <laughs> like that would have been a thing I would have approached at 25. But yeah, enough about enough about the charms of being 30. Definitely want to talk to you more about your your comics career, what you got going on. Um, I've really enjoyed following your work. You know, elsewhere, just like writing about comics as well. I know on sci-fi and then recently, too, um, you had some of the best coverage, I thought, of WandaVision that I saw Thank anywhere. You. I really enjoyed following that. Absolutely. But let's talk first about Living Heroes. You got a story of Marvel Voices Legacy. Um, you have a webcomic, uh, But What If, Though, and Parenthood Activate. We'll include links to all this fun stuff in the show notes so people can check it out as well. I'm interested um, in in your work, in your comics work. You know, mm-hmm. you, you're very good, I think, at finding the humor and some of the mundane details of, of everyday life. But, you know, that is applied now to, like, superhero life, right, with Living Heroes. And But What If, Though, you're taking superhero universes, Marvel and DC mm-hmm. characters and, and various, you know, artists are tackling sort of just humorous short approaches. What's your inspiration for kind of approaching superhero universes in that way? And mm-hmm. uh, it, I guess has your when you read comics, do you always kind of fill in those little scenes? Like, has that always been part of your process? Um, it absolutely has. So um, I don't know if anybody remembers Wizard Magazine, um, mm-hmm. but I would always get them and they had like the action figures. They were set up to do like little fun stuff. And I always just found them very funny. And I would do those with my action figures once upon a time ago when KB Toys existed. Yeah, And you can get like five, I think it was like five or 25 or something like that. And my brother and I were always in that bin. So that is kind of where that began. Um, and then also I remember reading West Coast Avengers. Uh, I think it's like Crystal was in it. Um, the Black Knight is in it, I believe. But there's like this love triangle type of situation going on. And I remember thinking, oh, wait, this is just like, you know, the soaps that my grandmother and my mother watched, like mm-hmm. it had that same feel to it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where I began like filling in these blanks as I would read these comics. Um, Cause it was just fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember reading uh, Fantastic Four and like the fact that the Baxter building was behind on uh, their mortgage <laughs> on the mortgage and like yeah. they could get shut down. Um, it's just little stuff like that, that um, I don't know, it just really appealed to me. Uh, cause one is just funny. Cause you're saving lives, but you also cannot afford to like keep your building open. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, like, I feel like that's a great way to connect to these characters who 
Um, I often try to remind folks that, you know, they're super powered, but they're still, you know, regular people. I mean, unless they're aliens or robots or something, but like they're, they're like, they're, they're just like you and I, um, they just have these special abilities. So the different things they do sometimes that's heightened. We saw that in WandaVision, how, um, you know, her having the ability to change the fabric of reality. And then also at the same time, not dealing with her grief, how that was just exacerbated and consumed everyone and how dangerous that was. So um, it's just something that I've always loved. And then um, Living Color, I watched a lot of reruns of. And I just, I'm a huge fan of sketch comedy. So I don't know, like when the idea of But What Up Though came, I was like, hey, this is a great idea to kind of do this thing, but do it in comics, have different mm-hmm. artists come on um, the same way you would have different actors play different roles in a sketch comedy and just kind of go from there. So it's just been really fun um, to kind of like, playing these worlds that already exist and just point out the little small, you know, silly stuff that either folks are thinking about or not. Yeah. Yeah. Now, but what if though it's, which I love the title of it's, it's perfect. Cause it's playing <laughs> off obviously Marvel's what yes. if, which is, you know, but then, but then modernizing it a bit, uh, which people can find, you know, I think through your website, you can find links mm-hmm. or like it's available on Webtoon, which is where yes. I read it, um, which is super convenient. Um, it, but yeah, so it's, it's playing with these characters. Have you, I guess I have a few questions about like you getting started. Have you ever, did you ever have any concern or consideration about like using like these properties, yes. you know, cause it's, it's not like it's like an analog. It's like, no, you're just straight up using the characters. Yeah, no, I absolutely did. Um, I spent all of 2020 waiting for an email from Marvel after yeah. launching living heroes. Cause I wanted to stress like, Hey, this is a fan fiction. Um, and I would just write straight fan fiction, but like, I want the art to go with it. Mm-hmm. So I spent all of 2020 worried that I was going to get like a cease and desist from Marvel, but, it never came. Actually, the emails that I got from Marvel was one, hey, do you want to write for Marvel.com? And then two, hey, do you want to write a comic, uh, you know, a short story for Marvel Voices Legacy, which yeah. still blows my mind to this day. Which is amazing. So speaking of that Marvel Voices Legacy story, so you got to do a mm-hmm. short Monica Rambeau story. Um, I think, yeah, in a lot of ways built off the success of but what if though in, in Living Heroes, I imagine, which is super mm-hmm. cool that, that Marvel instead of the season desist was like, actually, would you work for us? Which is, yeah, congratulations. That's amazing. Um, with that Monica Rambeau short story, you get two pages, right? So like in your mm-hmm. head, you're like, all right, I have two pages to do this. You went with Monica going grocery shopping with her mom and She-Hulk and Thor, which again, this is in Marvel Legacy um, or Marvel Voices Legacy issue, which people should definitely check out. Uh, why that approach? Like when you had, you're like, I get two pages to do this. Like, why was that the story that you you settled on? So originally, like I was freaking out. Um, it's like, what am I? It's like, what story am I going to tell in two pages, right? Um, and then after I like kind of settled down, I was like, hey, they approached you because of Parenthood Activate, because of But What If Though, because of Living Heroes. So. Mm-hmm. In those, you already tell one to two page stories. So just do that. Keep it simple um, and just do what you do now and just do it officially for Marvel. And um, I was randomly thinking about the time that my grandmother sent me to the store to get some condensed milk. I think I was like maybe in my early 20s. I didn't know where it was. And I spent 45 minutes in the grocery store because I was too <laughs> yeah. proud to ask anyone like, hey, where can I find this? Mm-hmm. And I just kind of thought of that, like, you know, Monica and Thor and She-Hulk getting roped into doing errands with Monica's mom and, you know, they're shopping for uh, the dad's birthday and just kind of how that would look. 
and the fact that superheroes uh, these days are always in their uh, their costumes was something that I was like, okay, yeah, let, let's do this. Mm-hmm. And I was also thinking of, um, there's a Black Panther issue. Um, I think it's like Jungle Action, like the first, yeah, the first yeah, iteration the of that. And, yeah. uh, Billy I, I know exactly what you're talking about because he's, yeah. he's in full costume. It's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I've always kind of loved that. So I was thinking of that. And then there is um, a Captain America issue where uh, everyone is broke except for mm-hmm. Tony Stark and Captain America like needs some money so that he can fly somewhere. Um, Beast doesn't have it because he spent it all on this new girlfriend. Thor and Hercules don't have it because apparently their currency doesn't like exchange uh, to mm-hmm. American dollars. And I thought of that and I'm like, okay, this is the joke that I want to, these are the kind of jokes that I want to land. I want to play in a supermarket element. I feel like, you know, shopping with your mom or just a loved one and then them walking off is something we can all relate to mm-hmm. and how stressful that is. Like, hey, so <laughs> who's going to pay for this? Because <laughs> all the stuff in the start is yours. So once that came together, um, I was like, okay, I got the story. And that's something that I can accomplish in two pages. Nice. That's cool. What was the experience like working with, you know, you work with Natasha Bustos, the mm-hmm. artist there. Um, like, was it different doing, cause like you said, like ultimately you, you were doing a very similar thing, a very style, yeah. similar style story to what you're already been telling, but now you're officially working in a Marvel comic, right? That's going to be released. How, how different was it in terms of process, if at all? And then just, I guess, in terms of anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know, it was very similar. I think because I've worked worked with several artists um, with But What If Though that kind of trained me up to get an idea for like what an artist might need. So yeah. I didn't actually I actually didn't know that Natasha was going to do uh, the art for my story until after the fact. The funny thing is is that I wrote it with her in mind because I love Moon Girl and Double Dinosaur. Um, the artist, Erin O'Neill Jones, who does Living Heroes, her art reminds me of Natasha, like that same energy sure. where like you get the slice of life stuff, but also at the same time, like the action is there. Um, mm. It's very animated. Um, so when they told me that Natasha was doing, I was like, okay, great. Cause I kind of wrote it for her anyway. Mm. Yeah. That's awesome. No, that's cool that you're, you're like, yeah, stylistically, this will, this will hundred percent fit. Um, so you have, you have Monica Rambeau as the, as the lead of this ostensibly, mm-hmm. right? Of your short story. It's a character that you have a lot of affinity for. And this is something that I've learned again, reading um, in your WandaVision coverage. I was, it was definitely interesting to read so much about WandaVision from the perspective of a clear longtime fan of this character. Can you talk a little bit about like what it is about Monica Rambeau, uh, this character that that you're drawn to, and that I think um, I think she's often a very misunderstood character because her her continuity and her history is kind of all over the place. She's Captain mm-hmm. Marvel, she's Photon, she's this. Now she's Next Wave to a lot of people, right? Like what um what is it about that character that I think you you connect with so much? I think it's because um, and this is like because I did Misty Nice Uninformed Afro, we talked extensively about black superheroines in comics. The mm-hmm. thing about Monica that stood out, uh, maybe Karen Beatrice, probably similar, but um, a lot of her stories, she just gets to be her. Like she gets to be a hero in the same capacity as a She-Hulk, a Wanda, um, Vision, all of them. Um, it's not that weird thing that often happens to black characters where they have to deal with black issues more so than um, 
you know, the actual superheroing. And it's not that there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that we get so much of that, especially in the early 90s. It's just like yeah. everybody was dealing with, um, you know, drugs in the neighborhood, uh, <laughs> trying to settle fights between rival gangs and just the whole nine. It's just very irritating because, hey, there's other stuff, right? Um, it's just, it's not all monolithic. So for Monica and especially her origin story is just something that I've always loved because it felt like, hey, what it means to be a black woman in the workspace. Um, yeah. To do all of this work, be great at what you do and then still get passed over for the position that you deserve. But for Monica, even though this happens, um, you know, her destiny, she was born to be a hero this whole time because she takes it upon herself to destroy this, you know, this energy destructor machine to save the world and is rewarded with powers. And then um, with that decides to, you know, become a hero out of goodwill. It's not because she had to, um, she needed to avenge anyone's death or any of that. She just simply becomes a hero because that is what she wants to do. Like she has that, um, that desire, that autonomy. So it's just, I, and for a character that came in like the eighties, like that was just something that always like stuck out to me. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I don't know, like Monica just feels the most relatable in some ways. Like I love Storm. I love Misty Knight. Um, I love Amanda Waller, but Monica has always been the one that I felt was most relatable. And I think that's why, um, you know, when she was introduced in WandaVision, the capacity that she was, I was like, okay, Wow, so somebody actually read comic issues that weren't Next Wave. And not mm -hmm. that I, you know, not that I don't like Next Wave, but you can tell a lot of times when uh, writers who have written Monica Rambeau only read Next Wave or because yeah. uh, yeah. she has that cynicism to, um, uh, to her, which again, like I don't think it's untrue, but it's still such a stark departure from what her character is and was, um, you know, so long ago when she was with the Avengers. Like Monica was actually doing things, like not just there to right. be there. Um, she was very she's integral to a lot of stores. Yeah, she's yeah. a powerhouse. Like she took on Zeus twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, which is amazing. Yeah, no, I I, I had forgotten. So we do a, we do a reading club and podcast called my marvelous years so we're going through like we do year by year it's kind of a curated list of like mm -hmm. the essential stuff and i'd forgotten how integral monica is how early too like she's there in secret war like she's a huge part of 80s avengers you know and then she kind of like fades out you know it's unfortunate um in recent years there's been some good stuff like i really yeah. enjoyed ultimates written by al ewing i like mm -hmm. monica and her connection to to dr adam brashear and like yes. kind of the cosmic side of things do you think that's the avenue forward for this character to get the spotlight she deserves in the MCU or how do you see her, them kind of handling her moving forward? I think that's going to have to be the route. Um, Cause even in no road home, I really loved how they address. Cause like Monica kind of finds out like that whole thing of, am I still human? Because she finds out like I am technically kind of immortal mm -hmm. um, and she deals with that. So I think moving forward in the way that the MCU is kind of setting itself up to be in phase four. Um, I think her being a part of that cosmic element is, Phenomenal, because yes, black women in space. Give me that; I'll mm -hmm. take it all day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, with Nick Fury, right? Like we don't have yeah. any of that in Marvel right now in the MCU. So yeah, it's it's a long time coming, I think, and uh, and could be a good role for her moving forward. I think too, just getting to see her have powers and understand them, and mm -hmm. actually, you know, and and get to deploy them for her own, you know, whatever yes. purpose she's controlling, as opposed to just sort of this 
falling into it kind of thing. Um, this yeah. accidental heroism in a lot of ways. I think that'll be cool as well. So I'm looking forward to her return. Now, speaking of MCU type connections, one of, so in, in living heroes and, and, but what if though, um, you know, you do parody and, and satire a lot of times of, and, and again, just like good, like lighthearted comedy about, um, I say lighthearted, but this isn't that, but about a, a number of issues, um, yeah. or issues, excuse me. Sam Cap, uh, the Falcon Winter Soldier series just launched on Disney Plus at the time of this mm-hmm. recording. That came out yesterday. I actually haven't seen it yet. I, my kid, uh, I have two young toddlers. And as someone, I've read your Parenthood Activate, so I know you understand this. Um, they just like would not go to sleep the last few nights. So last yeah. night I fell asleep at like 8.30 with one of them. <laughs> just was asleep for like 12 hours. So I haven't watched yet. Um, but yeah, so that's that's my life story. But uh, in in your, um, but uh, but what if though? You basically, um, you kind of killed MCU Steve Rogers <laughs> with one of your comics. Uh, there was an April 2020 issue with Sam basically asking him like, okay, like, cool. Like, you went back in time. Like, did you help with the civil rights movement? And I encourage people to go read this. It's like expertly like one page done, you know, kind of comic. Um, and there's, there's this image of Steve standing with the police because he, he the old man steve is like yeah I, I helped and i'm i'm totally spoiling and ruining the joke it's that was okay. much better than the way it goes uh it, when you when you publish that you it was kind of ahead of i guess like like the i guess like a lot of white people's wake up call to yeah. the moment that came with george fly or george floyd's death obviously um yeah. in the moment did you get like does that something that made you nervous? Cause it was like, it's very funny, but also it's very political and it gets very supercharged. Um, putting yeah. something out there like that, what kind of courage does that take and, and confidence on your end? It made me nervous. Um, of course, for several reasons, but, um, it was something that has always been in the back of my mind, actually, you know, after watching Endgame, And then when this happens anytime where they like, you know, you have these all powerful, white heroes or even mm-hmm. black heroes sometimes and you know that these things are still happening in time in in the time period that they're there so right. like what are you doing and for captain america even steve rogers um he reminds me of hank hill in that way where mm-hmm. he is never intentionally being harmful. It's just that he doesn't know. And mm-hmm. usually by the time that he finds something out, then it's just like, oh, wait, so this is kind of messed up. So um, I don't know, like, I'm just thinking that Steve Rogers, um, you know, he would be called by the government like anybody else to come like, you know, help out with this march that's going on. And yeah. because Steve is so, um not patriotic in the same way that John Walker is, but I feel um, at that time that was something that he probably would do. Like, that's just a very real thing. Like, this is a hero that is supposed to be a symbol of the country. And, um, you know, contrary to (laughs) what everyone, well, most people want to believe is that, you know, this country, there's some things about it that are just very gross and uh, violent and horrific. And that is all interwoven into this fabric of this flag that he represents. So, um, you know, it was a double thing to one, make the joke, but two, to kind of say like, hey, like, have you thought about this? Like if this character went back in time, like, where does he stand? Yeah. I think that was that was the most interesting question where I was like, oh, damn, because it was it, it occurred to me like I had not even considered that. And then because as a fan, 
of these mm -hmm. characters. You always want them to be on the right side, right? But you yeah. realize the right side means different things at different times and for yes. different people <laughs> based on yeah. their perspectives. And it, it definitely occurred to my it occurred to me like, oh man, like you could ask this even in like comics continuity too, with like Logan, for example, like yep. where was Wolverine? <laughs> not that <laughs> not that I need a Wolverine civil rights story, you know what I mean? But like it's an applicable question potentially. Um and you always want to imagine the best of them, but I think this comic points out like, well, what they thought was the best in the moment wasn't necessarily what we hopefully more of us are seeing now, right? And you know what? And I don't think there is necessarily a problem with that. I feel like, you know, when we shy away from being very realistic in that way, it's not very, it's not fair to the character. And it's also not fair to the the readers or the audience to be able to discern like, hey, um, this is like morally whatever, but I get why this character would do that. Yeah. Um, I think that's why I really appreciated WandaVision because I never went in thinking, you know, Wanda is good or bad. It's just, hey, it's this woman who is dealing with all of this grief. And then what she does, unfortunately, harms other people. Um, and right. sometimes we think of superheroes in a very black and white manner. And I, that's not fair to them because mm -hmm. the, they're still human. Um, and they're just it's it's never that it's never that for us. Um there are gray areas, there are blurred lines, um, there are things that happen where, you know, to your point, it feels right, but it doesn't necessarily make it right. Um, and, you know, again, like this is just something that I wish that we can kind of get more into versus the, um, I don't know, the running thing of superheroes being mean and evil, like you get with the, the boys or you get with, um, eh, Invincible doesn't count. Invincible, I feel like, kind of actually does a better job of tackling that. But um, I just wish we would get more into that because it doesn't have to be like, oh, well, superheroes are either assholes or they're great. It right. could be like some mixing. And I think that's probably why a character like Deadpool has always appealed to me because, you know, you have this person who's um, really is an antihero, like, you know, wants to be left alone unless he has to be involved. And right. that's something that I can understand and relate to. I hear you. I hear you on that for sure. Um, yeah, I think it'll be interesting too with like with Falcon and Winter Soldier type story too, where they they have so many difficult questions to answer, I think. And and it's, you know, it's a big Marvel Disney property. So it's curious. I'll be curious what direction they go. I'm also, I, you know, I read your, your recap of John Walker coming in, Ooh. who is John Walker reads differently in 2021, I think, than he did yeah. even introduce during kind of Reagan, the height of Reagan in, in the Mark Runewald written 80s cap. Um, and that was a character that rereading those issues recently for the club, uh, me and my co-host, we were both like, th that run is outstanding. Like that. that yeah, oh, absolutely. That is, it really is impressive for kind of for the story it tells and, and the way it tackles the story. But John Walker in particular, like that is a character that you want to hate initially and, ha and maybe mm -hmm. do and have good reason to. But then there's so much like gray where it's like, oh, but then actually there is some good here and actually you can kind of, you can at least even if you don't agree understand the rationale it, it'll be interesting to see how they bring that character to life in the mcu because i think you're spot on in saying like the gray and the nuance is where a lot of the opportunity lies and that's the mm -hmm. different thing to get to certainly and like i hope that the care is taken in because like when he's brought in it's to reinforce that it's steve rogers who makes captain america yeah. what you love. It's not the actual suit and shield in itself. 
Um, and just kind of like, you know, really, 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 really reestablishing that. Um, and both of them, you know, they want to be patriots for their country. But again, it's the very ideologies are different um, and they both believe that they're doing, you know, good. But that's that's left up uh, to be discussed. But I hope that for the series that if John Walker is there to kind of be juxtaposed um, to Sam, it's not going to work. Like right. it's not right. like it's not the same because Sam is not Steve um, and Sam has his own nuances and everything. So I like I I'm actually very curious as to how, like how they're going to do that because right. um, there are some ways that they can. But like it's definitely not a copy and paste thing. And unfortunately, like when you have these legacy heroes um, and the mantle is given to someone who is non-white, there is kind of like this copy and paste thing that happens, but it doesn't work because it's just, it's not the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I really want to see how they're going to like address this. Um, and it's the MCU and it's Disney. <laughs> so mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, like, sure. Um, we'll see what they do, <laughs> but like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm just being very, very realistic. Cause I mean, Independence Day didn't get, um, you know, the backing and funding from um, the U.S. government because they included Area 51. I mm-hmm. remember reading about that and like all up and through Captain Marvel, it's like a commercial for the Air Force. But that's because no. these companies, um, the military is also a company, is like very entwined with these other companies that make the media that we enjoy. So um that in itself just knowing that makes me think like mm, they might get close to it but they're probably not going to be able they're going to be pulling their punches in ways that WandaVision um didn't have to yeah right yeah. right because right because it's telling a very different story I mean I think that's been that's been a big challenge with I think the Sam Wilson story as a mm-hmm. successor as a legacy you know heir to the Captain America mantle I don't know how you feel about like his time is the character as well. But I, my, my read on it just like as, mm-hmm. as an outsider, like was definitely like, I don't feel like Sam got his due as Captain mm-hmm. America. I don't feel like he ever really got to be in the title, you know, and, and big part of that was because they literally tried to, you know, have their cake and eat it too, where like Steve was around at the same time. So yep. I, 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 something I've been thinking about a lot of lately and it's something I've been thinking about writing for, for comic Herald, but just like, what is the actual, like, post cap legacy here for Sam Wilson. Cause it's like, he gets to be Captain America in the comics for a bit. And then the character just like falls off the face of the earth. Like he has a very short lived solo written by Rodney Barnes. He got art by Josh Kassara could have been good, but I even, I actually got to interview Rodney Barnes about Philadelphia and he was like, kind of wasn't quite ready for that. It kind of didn't quite understand comics. You can tell there's like a sense of like kind of remorse or like I would do it differently now, maybe more than yeah. anything. Um, but anyway, long story short, I'm like, uh, Sam Wilson needs some better, uh, some better stories here coming, coming in the future. Cause the character has not, has not gotten it yet. I don't think. No. And it's just so wild too, because like he's had the solo run and like, he has been like in stuff. Right. Um, mm-hmm. but still nothing. Cause <laughs> I actually don't, let me not say that. I do like Sam Wilson before a long time. I did not. Um, and that's mainly mm-hmm. because I read a lot of Captain and Captain America and the Falcon. Right. And it was very much the, you know, black best friend here or good friend, um, just being the support for Steve. Um, and then even in his solo run, it was still watered down. Yeah. Um, and I understand why it was watered down, but it just sucks that it was because that was a great opportunity to really tell a story that would be as impactful and 
as good as when John Walker was introduced to Captain America um, in those early runs. So I don't know, maybe after this, after, um, you know, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, maybe Sam can get another go, but I, I don't know. It, it just kind of yeah. sucks because like you can, you can kind of see why, you know, the comics don't tell the story or they, they the punches are pulled, but it just kind of sucks because the character is the one that's left out, you know, out to dry. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah. well, why even do the legacy thing? Like switch the mantle over if you're not going to do anything like actually, you know, be, I don't know, like imaginative and daring and actually do mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I would agree. I would agree. I, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm giving the MCU a shot. <laughs> we'll yeah. see. But yeah. It's... I mean, you know what? And that's another thing. Like the MCU is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've gotten a little annoyed though, because of the conflation of Marvel comics and then the MCU and then thinking that they're both interchangeable and they're just not. Mm-hmm. Um, and because like every time I see like Marvel is military propaganda, I'm like, no, the MCU, you can make that argument. Sure. But like Marvel comics on the whole or just comics on the whole are not military propaganda. Like, please, guys, read better stories. <laughs> <laughs> right. No. And there's and there's a ton to that argument. I think that it gets yeah. like, you know, it gets it's, it's a screaming headline. But then it's like, well, OK, what does that actually mean to like be yeah. you know, a lot of like description that can follow <laughs> But I, I would agree. I mean, I think from a comics end, you know, definitely like, yeah, like there's so much history to this. It's like, well, yeah, it depends what you're reading and, and who's telling the stories. A lot of yeah. times that's the other thing, especially with Sam, too. It's like, OK, who is telling his stories mm-hmm. and how are those being told? Um, so, all right, we don't have to we don't have to talk about yeah. this the whole time. Um, I'm, I'm curious as far as like your own creative approach, like as far as a writer, are you a fan of damage control? Because I definitely it, that's a series that I actually had read. Uh, it's the Dwayne McDuffie written damage control with Marvel, where it really takes like the. It's a comedic. I mean, it's it's a comedy yeah. book for sure, and it's like a workplace drama with you know mm-hmm. comedy throughout a superhero universe. Is that a comic that inspired you, or is that just kind of a coincidence? It's kind of a coincidence uh, because I read anything Dwayne McDuffie wrote, I've read. Um, mm-hmm. So it's definitely coincidence, but it's definitely one that always stuck out to me because I was like, yeah, like this has been done before, and it can be done. Like, let's do more of this. Um, and yeah. I loved it because you know it's said a lot without. Um, I guess being in your face about it uh, because yeah. a lot of stuff was kind of like tucked into the jokes. And I, yes, I absolutely love damage control. And um, I would say like, yeah, inspiration for sure, especially a lot of Justice League and Justice League Unlimited too. Um, mm-hmm. Because just rewatching those, um, there's a lot of, um, I don't know, like Dwayne McDuffie is just so, was so excellent at, bringing those human elements to everything that he wrote and reminding you that again, like they have feelings and they have, you know, Mm -hmm. things that they have to deal with along with saving the day. So uh, it just makes the characters just so much more relatable. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. No, I just, I, yeah, definitely like in reading um, your work, I was like, Oh, I feel like you'd be a really good fit for like a rebooted damage control. Do you have like um, a certain kind of like book that you think would be like, not that you want to like spoil things that you're pitching yeah. or whatever, but like, do you have like a certain style or character even that you're like, I would, this is my dream type thing that I would just love to have right now. 
So my dream thing right now would be a Monica Rambeau xenomorph situation because uh, Marvel has, you know, alien property and everything now. Um, But next to that would actually be a Wonder Man and Beast kind of buddy situation. Yeah. I was really a big fan of that because you get a lot of that in the early Avengers runs. And I'm just like, this is... I like this. Like, let's do let's do more of Wonder Man and Beast being wingman to each other while they're at the club and right, right. solving things. Also, um, I don't know, like Monica Darcy and Jimmy Woo. Like, if there were to be like a supplement MCU comic or whatever to go along with WandaVision, I would love to write that. Like the three of them solving stuff. Yeah. And then also, um, I don't know, like having a movie night, which is a but what if though that is on the way. Um, but I don't know, like that, I just feel like that would be fun because X Corps, um, that is something the moment I read about like that coming, my eyes lit up because I'm like, I absolutely want to know everything about this. These details and and how the the X-Men business and yeah, for sure. As as a huge X-Men fan for, I'm like, yeah, like give me as much detail as possible because you can over explain things in comics. Certainly like there are certain Mm -hmm. stories and, and definitely like some of the, you know, supernatural science stuff where like, I don't. I don't actually need to understand how it works like i'm fine i'll roll with it um but some of that stuff too i'm like well you could try you could try yeah. to explain how these businesses work and i'll find that extremely entertaining yeah. and appealing uh which is funny because it's like that is my day-to-day is like marketing i'm like i don't want to read the inner workings of <laughs> of a corporate agency but then when it's x-men i do yeah <laughs> somehow you know it's like yeah it works um i i really loved your parenthood activate uh you know webcomic as well there was um there was one about, uh, I think it was based, I, I assume it's based on your own mm-hmm. experiences. Um, there was one about the the young toddler like hiding blankets and just like, it's like, where on earth could these blankets be? Which I immediately turned around and sent to my wife because it was so dead on with our toddler where like he'll hide my socks and we won't find them for like five weeks. <laughs> yeah, like, where on earth could he fit these? <laughs> so that is a thing that actually happened. I was going my way to Dragon Con. Uh, that's, mm-hmm. I was getting ready, like packing and stuff like that. And um, like I had folded towels, like I actually had folded towels, like I was actually mm-hmm. doing adult things and they were nowhere to be found. I tore the house upside down looking for yeah. these towels and I could not find them. And then I would ask him and he's like, I don't know. And like, you do know. And then, they, then it turned into, uh, well, I put them somewhere. And I'm just like, okay, but somewhere where? And mm-hmm. eventually my husband found them. They were, um, we had like a, a love a, um lazy boy that, so the bottom part came up and he yeah. put them in there. Ah, uh-huh. okay. That's a good spot. That's a good so, spot. I am, yeah. I'm often impressed by the ingenuity of toddlers in their, their hiding places, in my experience, where I'm like, how did you, I'm like, I've never thought to check there. And no, it's, it's, it's like, it's, what yeah. is wrong with, what is your mind? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. How do you, how do you find the balance for all like the creativity and everything you want to achieve with, with raising small kids? Cause that's definitely something that as, as somebody just trying to like run a website and have a day job yeah. and it's like, and kids, it is so much. How, where do you find that balance for yourself? Um, so it's still a work in progress, but, um, basically using technology and the greatness that it is. Um, so Google docs, of course, is on my phone. Um, Mm. a lot of times if I have a story idea, but I can't really get to it, um, I'll just like start it in Google docs, like a quick couple of lines while I'm in the middle of cooking dinner or, you know, or something like that. And then a lot of times now that my son is five, um, a lot of stuff that he's watching, 
uh, or like playing video games serves inspiration. So I'm kind of like mm. double dipping, um, spending yeah. quality time while also yeah, yeah. getting some, you know, ideas for um, storytelling and different things like that. Because there are a lot of kids shows or I guess shows geared towards children or whatever mm -hmm. that have some amazing storytelling, like very simple and straightforward, but get the point across. Um, mm -hmm. And that's something that I feel like has been um, helping me as I'm doing longer form comics and stories and stuff. Um, just kind of, I don't like from my little pony and remembering like how they tackled how to, um, you know, apologize to like mm -hmm. genuinely apologize to someone or, you know, two friends that have a disagreement and like how they come to an understanding, like very simple storytelling, but very poignant and um, just strong storytelling at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, very cool. That's good. Yeah. No, it's, uh, I need to, uh, I need to practice uh, having, <laughs> having notes available. I'm telling you, those shows are good. Like Bluey yeah. is actually the most accurate show for like parenting i have yeah. watched yes mm -hmm. yeah no it's it's good stuff it's it's funny finding that balance too of like what are the what are the kid shows that parents are into versus mm -hmm. the ones that are just like clearly just like screaming noise for the kids you know because right. you can tell like you know because there are some shows where my son's watching and like i'm like wait i've been watching this for like 15 minutes <laughs> like i'm just watching this for me now <laughs> So awesome. What's uh what's up next for you? Like what do you have planned? What can you tell us about what's coming uh down the pipeline? So um I uh what is it, the 80th anniversary for Wonder Woman is this mm -hmm. year. And uh there's an anthology coming out that's similar to, I believe, Batman Black and White. And I think there was a Superman blue and red, if I'm not lying. I hope I'm not. But uh there's one for yeah, Wonder Woman. Just... Right? Yeah. Isn't no, that simultaneously happening? Yeah. Okay. I want to say red, white, and blue, but I don't know. Now I feel like it's maybe just red and blue or whatever you said. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's some, it's some variation on that <laughs> color combo. The point is it's out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Wonder Woman, uh, there's a Wonder Woman Black and Go anthology that will be out. The first issue, I believe, debuts in June. Um, my issue is actually issue number four. Um, okay. No idea when that'll be out. I'm guessing August, September, depending on like how they release it. Um, but yeah. I'm writing a story that will um, be about Nubia and Diana. Nice. Um, I just, yeah. you know, like we rarely ever see them together. Um, right. So I just kind of want them like, you know, working together and doing a thing. And at the very last page, you know, hopefully a message has been <laughs> delivered. I hope I get yeah. a whole eight pages, which I was super excited about. So um that's the official thing coming from me. But as far as um, unofficial stuff, uh, season two of Living Heroes, we're ready to do it. It's just finding time and everyone's av av availability. Um, Parenthood Activate is still going. and But what if that will still be going as well? Um, so, you know, I'm just, you know, chuggling along writing and then whatever opportunities come, then, you know, I'll I'll take advantage of them and kind of go from there. Cool. Would you kickstart uh, season two of Living Heroes again, or would it be an extension of what you had done? I might possibly kickstart because I think I would like to do one that's maybe uh, 35 or 40 pages this time around. Because mm -hmm. like we like there are maybe five or six stories that just didn't make it because we just simply ran out of funds. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I would more likely probably kickstart. How was the Kickstarter experience for you getting the, the first volume out? Were there things that you wish had gone differently or was it, were you like more than pleased with the way it turned out? I was actually more than pleased because I was expecting like the absolute worst. 
Um, so that by the time um, the everything had funded, like in less than tw- or within 24 hours, I was kind of like, uh, okay, so then what do I do now? Because <laughs> uh, I, like I had this whole strategy planned of like how to get us to go throughout those 30 days. And then when it funded in 24 hours, like, well, I guess I'll just start writing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, yeah. yeah, like, which I'm actually grateful that that happened. But um there are some things that I wish that I would have done differently. Um, nothing that, you know, was, you know, necessarily bad or good, but maybe more efficient. So mm-hmm. bringing that in, um, maybe actually including, so I ended up paying the, uh, both artists more just because we brought in more, but I would make that an actual specific goal, like a stretch goal, like, hey, if we reach this, then the artists will get, you know, a bump in um, increasing their page rate or whatever. Yeah, because because like the whole point of it was to be able to pay um, both Aaron and Christina like what they're worth. Um, And I unfortunately couldn't do that out of my own pocket. So Mm -hmm. um, that would be the same thing for the Kickstarter for season two. Yeah, that seems smart because I think, too, like a lot of Kickstarter backers, that's the thing they would gravitate towards to be like, oh, where that's going. Okay, Mm -hmm. I I want to fund that. Um, Awesome. Okay, cool. So we'll look for that for for all that fun stuff coming. The Nubia (laughs) Diana story, that should be uh, that should be a blast for you, I I imagine. So I am so excited. Yeah, (laughs) very cool. What do you what are you reading now, like for fun or, or even for research? Like what's on your your to read list? I am so behind on X-Men. I am so ashamed. Uh, Mm -hmm. I just read Children of Adam and I really enjoyed that. And also um, Demon Days by Peach Momoko. Wow. Yeah. Such a cool looking comic. It is so good too. Mm -hmm. Um, But recently, what have I read? Um, Deceased. Deceased? All of them. Yes. Uh, The the main story, the extra stories, all of that. And I am just in awe of Tom Taylor's ability to Mm -hmm. make me cry about Batman. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. Deceased is definitely one of those where I'm like, it it was, it was a thing that I had like negative expectations for. Yeah. This isn't going into it. And then within two issues, I was like, no, I love this. (laughs) Right. It was very much like injustice where I was like, no, I actually really dig this. This is good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know what to expect. And then I went to go read like some Marvel um, zombie related things. And I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, it's not the same. (laughs) No, no, it's definitely not. It's definitely not. um, so was kind of let down by that. Um, so that, and then I've actually just been reading a ton of Wonder Woman comics. Um, sure. Diane is a character that I am familiar with, but don't know like the back of my hand. And because of the way that I kind of go about my research when I'm like reading about a character, like I had to start not, I didn't start all the way from the beginning, but I started with George Perez's run. And yeah, so far, like I, it's a lot, like, Older comics, I know, is kind of daunting for a lot of folks because there are a lot of words on the page. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and just the the way that the panels are set up. But I don't know. Like, I just I just have an affinity for them because the fashions are there. Uh, mm-hmm. Girls are not always in their suits. And um, it's also uh, because I feel like comics are such a time capsule, capsule for, uh, the, you know, the time periods that they're written in um, to just kind of get an idea of like, okay, so this is kind of what was happening in the world. And this is how this, you know, impacted the writer, uh, the artist and all of that. Just something that I've always been enamored with. Um, yeah. So it's been really fun to kind of go back and read those old Diana stories. Sure. I can see that. Yeah, no, there's some really, really good stuff in there. I think, uh, especially early with George Perez, that the kind of post 
crisis burst of like creative energy at DC. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of times, you know, we're like, oh, we get to do new stuff. Okay, let's, yeah. let's get energized about this. Now, I did read uh, Silver Sable in the Wild Pack because I was wondering why. Because I mm-hmm. was doing some research on Battlestar and mm. on Marvel Unlimited, I noticed there are only two issues available. Mm. And that mm-hmm. made me say, huh. This is definitely worth me finding on the dark web because there are obviously things in those issues that happen that you don't want me to know about. And sure enough, when I read it, I was like, wow, I see why, why this is not on Marvel Unlimited. It's very. Is it, uh, is it questionable content or is it um, is it just not good? <laughs> um, questionable content all the way yeah. through from yeah. start to finish. Um, it's actually quite hilarious. Um, it's right up there. Just below the Punisher um, becoming a black man to uh, Ooh. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> Luke Cage. Yeah, <laughs> that's another one. Um, was doing some research and I found that like there were some Punisher issues that were miss- missing. There was yeah, a yeah. jump and I said, okay, now I have to go find these on the dark web. Yeah, And sure enough, that's why. That's interesting. Yeah, I have not done the 90s uh, Silver Sable in the Wild Pack. I, it's, it's definitely, that's been a character that I've been just not super invested in in my in my reading yeah, life as well she's I, interesting to hear that she is no definitely yeah. and it, it is interesting too that 90s moment where it's like oh this this character got a book like that's mm-hmm. that's something i'm curious about it <laughs> well <laughs> if you ever want to read it let me know um i was able to find it mm, um okay. and not kill my computer at the same time so mm-hmm. i can definitely pass it along but um it is very interesting i'll say that mm. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Good to know. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, it is funny when you find those like like one issue. Like if there's like a one issue missing, like there's an Avengers uh, Jeff Johns written one that's kind of famously panned and memed. Um, but it's like, why is that? Why is Marvel Unlimited not have this one issue? And then you're like, oh, oh, oh. there's a there's a secret history here. Yeah. All right, Stephanie, this was a blast. Uh, I think it's going to do it for us on the show today. Um, Everybody listening, again, you can find Stephanie's work linked in the show notes here. Uh, Stephanie, where should people find you otherwise? What do you want to plug? If you would like to follow me on Twitter, you can go to um, at Steph underscore I underscore Will. Same for Instagram. Um, And also my website, which I'm so happy I finally got up. And that's whysteph.com, W-H-Y-S-T-E-P-H.com. And if you're wondering why that's the name, follow me on Twitter. You'll find out. There you go. There you go. All right. Awesome. This is a blast. Thanks so much for joining. Uh, everybody listening, I'm Dave. You can find myself at comicbookherald.com. You're listening to the Best Comics Ever podcast. This is Cree Annotators. Please subscribe for more interviews like this. Uh, so thank you, Stephanie. We will connect with you again soon. All right.